0: Amen. We are in a series right now of messages called Made for More. And last week we kicked off that series and we talked about the life of Joseph. And it's talk- this series is all about what happens when the God of the universe comes into your life and declares more over your life. That whether you realize it or not, God has made you for more than the life you're just living right now. He's made you for things that are beyond what you could even see or comprehend. And last week was an amazing kickoff to the series. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, jump online at evangelchurch.com. You can check out our messages at any time. We, we don't want you to miss out on any of it. But last week we also had small groups. And how many of you are excited about groups and about what God's doing in groups? Yeah, it's an exciting time. We can tell you now that we have more people in groups than we've ever had in small groups here at Evangel. And there's still time for you to get involved. I saw people stop by and meet with Roy, our group's coordinator after service, right outside in the foyer, and they were figuring out what groups they could be a part of. So don't think you've missed it. You can still join. There's still time left. There's still groups that are available and they're waiting for you to jump in. So don't miss out on everything God wants to do in this series. We're going to be talking about the lives of some different people here on Sundays, but you get To go deeper in small groups and explore some other lives of individuals in scripture as well. Last week, you talked about Joseph as we talked about him on Sunday, but you also got to talk about Moses in your groups, many of you. So don't miss out, jump into a group and continue to walk out everything that God has in store for us. Also, we're seeing that God is answering our prayer. Last week, we filled this altar. On Sunday morning, with those that were feeling like God had birthed a dream in their heart, some felt that that dream had died and that God was working to resurrect and to bring back to life that which you thought was dead, that God was beginning to speak to many about the more that he's placed in your life, the more that he's calling you to. God knows more than we know, and God sees more than we see. And he, what he wants us to know is what he sees in our lives and for us. And for some of you, God's starting to speak that in your life. On Wednesday night, we had a missionary that was here, a great, precious missionary couple we've supported for over 30 years as a church. They came to speak on our Wednesday night prayer meeting, and whenever Rich walked into the service, he said, I could feel it all over my body. God wants to call people into ministry in this house. And so he shared that message. What is God calling you to? What does the more look like for you? And for some, it was specifically maybe around ministry, or around one day themselves being a missionary to go somewhere and share the love of Jesus. These altars were full of people that responded to that invitation and felt God was nudging their hearts. Isn't that amazing that God is raising up even in our midst people that he's putting a calling on their lives to go and walk into the more that he has for them. So what we've done, um, as God's speaking to us during this service, a series, and as maybe God's put something in your heart, we have a wall out there. We're just calling it the More Wall for today. And what you're going to see is a giant white kind of uh, banner that's across the wall. And it says, Made for More. And it says, I was made for. And if God's put something in your heart, if he's been speaking to you during this series, and grab a marker out there, and you can just walk out after service. And you can begin just to write down what that looks like in your life, what you sense God's putting in your path and in your life. And we'd love to celebrate that with you, to cheer you on and just to uh, just to acknowledge what God is doing in your life through His Word and through speaking to you. So we don't need to miss out on that. Stop out after service and check that out. Well, as you open your Bibles with me, let's open up this morning to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to be exploring what this looks like, that we're made for more in the life of another set of characters in Scripture, lives that were forever altered, and we get to read their story because of what they saw. They saw the more that God was placing before them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we live by faith and not by what? Sight. How about you? Do you live by faith or by sight? Yeah, you're like, I had to think about that, Pastor. Many of us, we can be in church today, but we could still be living by sight. We could be living by sight. We could say, I have faith, but I make all my decisions based upon what I could see. And based on what I can see, that's determining where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. If that's you, because some of us, we're very rational in our thinking. We're very much like, yes, faith is important. Yes, I love God. But man, I need to see it, God, to believe it. Guess what? If you're in that category, you're like a lot of other people in Scripture. But God calls out to us and says, don't live that way. You've got to learn what it means to have eyes of faith that see with faith, not just with fear, not just with natural eyes, but with supernatural eyes and focus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I really believe that if God can change the way we see as we take a look at this passage of Scripture and what He wants to share with us through it, then our lives can be full of faith. They can be faith-filled lives. Here's the big idea for today's message, that faithful and faith-filled living allows you to experience the more that you were made for. You're not going to experience everything God has for you unless you have a faith-filled life and a faithful life under God. And it's those two together that you begin to see God unleash and unlock the promises and plans he has for his people. And that's what he requires of us to enter into the fullness of it. So let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, would you come now and would you speak a word directly to our hearts, Lord God? We pray you'd speak through the... the, the the fogginess that some are feeling, Lord God, in this season through the chaos that some are feeling and walking through, that you would speak a word that's in season, ready for every heart in life, Lord, that will receive it. Lord God, would you teach us what it means to have a life that is faith-filled and a life that is faithful, and that we may enter into the more that you've made us for. Lord God, we thank you for it today. Teach us from this passage of scripture. Teach, it. teach us from these examples we find in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. And let me catch you up on where we've been. Last week, we talked about Joseph. It's, it's very important, and I try to pause before we get into God's Word. Context is so important. Say context with me. You want to understand where you are. i got kids in the room. i got to be careful asking you to repeat things after me. Um, context is about understanding where we are in the story. You want to understand your context, what's going on around you. But when you come to God's Word, you got to realize this is all part of a big story that's unraveling. And you want to understand where each part of that story is is connecting to each other. So last week we talked about Joseph. Joseph had dreams. God gave him a dream that one day he would be second in command over all of Egypt, that his family would literally bow down before him. It seemed impossible, and there was a lot of things that came in his path to try to kill the dream of God that was within him. But we saw that through his perseverance, through his faithfulness and obedience, God elevated him, and he became second in command over all of Egypt. And when a famine hit, The Israelite people, the people of God, they all came to Egypt and they were able to be there with with protection because of Joseph. Well, the Bible says after Joseph died, there was a new Pharaoh, new leaders came that did not know Joseph. They didn't know what God had done for them. And then the people that were in Egypt, all these Israelites, they multiplied in number. There were so many of them. And then the Egyptians became very severe to them and made them their slaves, They made them slaves, and for many years they cried out, looking for some relief. God heard their cry and raised up a leader who was made for more named Moses. Someone who didn't have all the words, couldn't talk right. Someone that was actually supposed to be killed before he was even born. His life was marked with death, but God rescued him. Aren't you so thankful that God gets the final say in our story? that Jesus is the author of our story. Raised Moses up and used him to be the one, someone that seemed to be lacking so much, to lead his people out of Egypt, out of captivity. Man, he was the one with every excuse in the book, but God still used him. You were made for more. You are made for more than your excuses would tell you. And God used him to do amazing things. And he led them out of Egypt. He led them literally through the Red Sea. It parted in front of them as they walked through on dry ground. And now they're in the wilderness on their way to the promise. I want you to know, God had a promise in his heart that he gave them all the way when they were still captives in Egypt. He said, I will bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I will bring you to a place of my blessing. I will bring you to a place where you're going to fulfill everything I have for you to do. Where you and we will be in relationship and walking connected to one another. He said, I know the place I have for you and I'm bringing you there. But it's going to require a process in a wilderness so you can learn what it means to trust me and honor me and obey me. And God was teaching them these lessons, and then they came. And this is where we find ourselves today, standing on the banks of the Jordan River, right in the region looking over at the promised land that God had given to them. And they're about two years into their journey, and as they're there in that journey and they're, they're some, some portion of time has gone by, God is ready to bring them into the promise that he has for them. And as they stand there on the edge of it, Moses begins to look out, And he says, well, we better get a good lay of the land and understand exactly what this place looks like that God is calling us to go in and walk in. So that's where we pick up in Numbers chapter 13. Starting in verse 17, here's what it says. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through Negev into the hill country. See what that land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good land or is it bad land? Do the towns have walls or are they unprotected and open like camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? He said, do your best to bring back some samples of the crops that you see. Because it was time for the harvesting of first grapes during that time. So he sent 12 spies into the land. 12 people Moses selected and said, I want you to go scope out the land and see what it's like. So they go in and they begin to look at the land. They spend 40 days there, the Bible teaches, and they come back. And it's how they come back that determines how they've seen the land. I want us to pay attention to this. Go down with me to verse 25 of Numbers 13. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Ready, catch this. We entered the land that you sent, sent us to explore. It indeed is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of the fruit that it produces. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, so they begin to give back the report. Oftentimes, here, here's what happens: if we're living by sight, and if we're gauging things by what we can see, we're going to begin to make a, some very quick calculations in our mind. And here's what they're focused on: not focused on the promise. They come back reporting on all the problems, and it seems like they say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's bountiful. It's flowing with milk and honey. Let's get that out of the way. Now, let me tell you the real story of what's going on." it's fortified, there are giants there, it's crazy, it's a crazy place, it's scary. So people, when they hear this, they all started to freak out, everyone around them. They're like, what? What is going on? What is happening? Has God failed us? Have you led us on a wild goose chase, Moses? What's going on? And the people are all frustrated and you can just hear. Have you ever heard that where one person says something very scary and then everyone becomes unsettled all around them and starts to murmur and and cry out and doesn't know what to do? This is what's happening among all the people. Now, Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Flip down to verse 30 with me. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And here's what he says. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land disagree. They said, so there's, there's Caleb and then there's Joshua with him. But the other ten says, no, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. They are spread, and they spread a bad, bad report about the land among all the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. There were even giants there. The sense of Anak Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought as well. There are going to be times in your life that you're going to stand on the edge of everything God has promised. And I promise you, if you look at it with natural eyes, this is how you will feel. This is what you or people around you will say. And you have to determine what you will do when you feel those things. Because there are people all around them, and they, says, they say this, yes, we understand what God said. We understand what God has promised. We understand that we've received a word from God, but, but the problem, but this, but that, but that. And they just keep putting in all the excuses, all the reasons, and what they do is they build up that problem so big. Here's what happens. It's all a byproduct of fear. Fear is such a dangerous thing. If it's misdirected, Fear. We fear the Lord. The Lord says that's the beginning of wisdom. But if we fear problems and circumstances in man, we can start to do some things that are very backwards and crooked in our lives. Amen? Fear happens. Fear sets in when your problems seem bigger than you are. When your problems seem bigger than you are and you are threatened in some way, fear starts to come in. How many know that we don't make great choices when we're afraid? When fear comes in, when that's being weighed into an equation, it can be very difficult. Everything they said could have been factually true. Have you ever had a moment like that before that when you stood in front of a situation, you just seemed utterly, utterly hopeless in the midst of it? But here's what I want you to know when it comes to fear of these things, fear of the problems and the things that might stand in the way of the promises of God. They're not as, as you think they are. I love the... The definition one person gave for fear, they said this. This is what fear really is in God's sight. It's false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. You don't want to know what all those giants were in those fortified cities and everything they reported on? It was fear. And here's what God says. Yes, I see everything that you see, but it's just false evidence that appears to be real to you. Fear has an ability to begin to break down trust. You will see when the people become afraid, do you know what one of the first things that they do over and over and over again? They try to go back. They try to go back to Egypt. They try to go back. They try to overthrow Moses. They, 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 they don't trust him. They stop trusting him when they're afraid. But you know what happens really whenever we get afraid? We can stop trusting God. Have you ever been there? That the more afraid you get, the bigger the circumstance seems. You start doubting God. God, are you really faithful? Did you really say that? Are you really able to show up, Lord? Look at what's happening all around me. Look at, look at how big these, these mountains are. Look at how, how great this dead is. Look at how, how, how big this uh, circumstance is. Look at how big this diagnosis is in my life. Lord God, are you sure that you really, can you really, I mean, can you really meet me here now? And fear starts to set in. Fear has the ability to just begin to break down your trust. And if it's breaking down your trust, it's draining you of your faith. Faith and fear, it's very difficult for them to coexist if they can at all. They're at war with one another, and fear begins to try to drive out faith, but faith drives out fear as well. And it starts to, when, it, when, when fear just becomes rooted in, in your life, and you begin to live your life and make your decisions based on fear all the time, you begin to develop roots of what I would call unbelief in your life, patterns of unbelief. And here's what I realized. I heard uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church preach a series of messages a long time ago called The Christian Atheist. And what, it, what he said was, he said, We can so often walk around carrying the name Christian, but we actually live our lives as though we don't believe God is real or He can move. The Christian Atheist. I was an atheist and became a Christian. I never want to be a Christian atheist. where I I profess Jesus with my songs and with my voice and with the way I dress and where I go, but I live my life as though he has nothing to do with it. I want to see the power of his resurrection working in my life, in my circumstances, all around me. I want to see God's power being perfected. And I want you to know one of the most dangerous things that could take root in our heart and our life is unbelief. It's really... A a failing to believe and take God at his word and trust that he is who he says he is. And we see that unbelief becomes set on the hearts of these people. They just stop believing. And what happened for them is they then are standing outside the promises of God because they don't believe him enough to step into them. And I think as time goes on and as circumstances in life come against you and as storms come and bat against the the sides of your life and your life and your home and your family, it can be easy to want to not believe. But just like that man that came to Jesus and Jesus says, all you need to do is trust and have faith and believe. And he says, I believe, Lord, but help me with my unbelief. Some of you need to pray that prayer to the Lord today. Lord, I believe and I want to believe in you. Help me, Lord God. Some things have happened. It's been difficult to trust you in this season. Can we be real today, church? God wants to hear that from you. He wants, if this is a struggle, Lord, I've just been so gripped by fear because God says this, I want to move those things away so you can experience more. What's standing in front of some of us are fear, walls of fear, of unbelief, of of just not trusting and being willing to take God at his word. And it sidetracks us every time. And you know what it also does? It'll keep you in a very comfortable place for a very long time. You have to realize this. Do I want to be in the place of comfort or do I want to be in the place of calling in my life? Because often they're not necessarily the same. The place of comfort and the place of calling. God has more than just the comforts we can often chase after in this life. So we jump down to Numbers chapter uh, 14. In Numbers chapter 14, they begin to speak out and the men who explored the, the, the land are speaking, and now the people are freaking out, and they don't know what to do. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're, they're coming undone. But there are two men among them that see things completely differently. Starting in verse 6, two of the men who had been exploring the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land, and he will give it to us. It is rich and flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of this land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. There's something else going on in the eyes of these two. Here's what I want you to know. Every day in our lives when we face different uh, situations and obstacles and challenges, we're always doing math. Is anyone really good at doing math in your head? Can, I, can you lift your hand with me? Anyone? You can just add stuff up in your mind. Here's how you'll know if you're good at doing math. How many of you know how much tip to leave without, without pulling out a calculator? You can calculate the tip really quickly, and you probably you probably understand what I'm, what I'm saying then. So you're doing that. My wife's like, how would you figure that out? I'm like, we'll teach you later. Um. But but the, the, you know so so that's that's that that's good for you if you're able to do that. But every single one of us, whether you feel like you're good at math or not, we're always doing math in our head. Can I tell you that? And it's telling you whether you feel like you're going to do something or you're not going to do something. Here's what the math looks like: you take yourself, you, everything you are, everything you have, and you subtract the obstacle standing in front of you. And if at the end of that it's in the positive then you feel like you can do it. If it's bigger than you, then it's going to feel like it's in the negative and you feel like there's a deficit here. I can't do it. And so you back off. Does that make sense? So, so you walk up to it and you're, you're doing this math in your head. Me, you, nope. Me? Yep, we're good. Let's go, let's go here. You know, and, and you'll do that with so many different things. And that's what happens naturally. That's your natural sight. That's your natural ability. You're always weighing things in your mind. You're almost doing this math over and over and over again in your life. But here's what I, here's what I want to tell you. The math needs to change now that you're a child of God. It has to change. Because here's what we'll continue to take, and this is exactly what they're doing. They're saying, all of us, minus all of them, There's no way this is working. This isn't adding up. We're going to be completely obliterated. We're going to be completely devoured. Look, look, and they just run the math again. Us, them, it's not working. Us minus them, not working, not working, not working. But here's what you need to do. Eyes of faith do this. They always factor God into the equation. You have to, so here's what you do. Us minus them plus God equals what? Now show me, and that's what we always fail to do. You have to, if God's calling you to it, if God's placing it before you, you need to learn what it means to factor Him in to the equation every single time. And the more you walk with Him, and the more you trust Him, you're always doing. It. You're saying, "Wow, that looks a lot bigger than me," but God. Those are two of my favorite words in the whole Bible. But God, but God, we were dead in our sins. We were de- but God. Jesus died, but God raised him from the dead, and we're now alive. But God, in his mercy, saved us. And this is what they failed to recognize. Yes, this is, this is difficult. Yes, this is, and here's what they said. They said everything the other, the other people said. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there's all these things going on, but God is with us. So now they become like prey to us. Did you see the way that the other people, the ten spies, saw the land? They said, we were like grasshoppers, and the men were like giants. He said, that's in the physical. That's exactly what's going on. But you have Joshua and Caleb doing a whole different kind of math over here. They said, yes, they were like giants. We were like grasshoppers. But whenever you add God to the grasshoppers, the grasshoppers become like giants, and they are helpless prey to us. I want you to know that's exactly how it works with the Lord, that as you begin to walk with him and trust him, the things that you thought were big and impossible are so small compared to the God that we serve. God can do anything exceedingly, abundantly more. And I want you to know any promise is as good as the person who made it. If God gave his word, we have to learn what it means to take him at his word, to trust him at his word. And that's what you see happening with Joshua and Caleb, that God's word produces a confidence within us. It produces an ability to take him at his word, to trust him before we see it manifested, before we actually see it come to pass. You know, I was talking to one of our staff members this week, and they were listening to a pastor share and talk, and they said, You know, how many of us, if we're waiting on something, if we need money, if we're in need of some kind of provision, and then that day you receive a check, how many of you are celebrating? Come on, let me see your hands. You yes, some like, yeah, Pastor, I'm gonna sell is there a trick to the question? Yes. How many right now, if you received a check for five thousand dollars, you would celebrate? But here, here's my question. Would you celebrate just because you received the check? I would. <laughs> you know why? Because I know that check is a promise. Then on the other side of it, there's a provision. You know all that all that a check is is a promise being made? And guess what? We will rejoice like crazy to receive that promise. The same is true with God. Are you going to rejoice when you receive the promise and the word from him? Or are you going to try to wait till you see the payoff of it? I, I'll tell you this. I, yes, I'm rejoicing at the bank as, as the money is being handed to someone. But I'm rejoicing at the promise. We have to learn what it means to learn what it means when we receive the word. We would begin to rejoice because God's already spoken it. He's already said it. Not just when we see it. The people were waiting. They said, we'll rejoice, we'll rejoice when we see it. But guess what? If you don't learn what it means to trust God when he gives his word, you're never going to see it. You're never going to be able to walk in the midst of it. God says to them in that moment, because of what they did, he said, you're now going to stay stuck in this wilderness. The people, whenever they heard what Joshua and Caleb said, they began to try to stone them. It says in verse 10 of Numbers 14. The whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb because they saw things different than the rest of them. But the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? And he says, because of their disobedience, because of their unbelief, this generation, God said, isn't going to be able to enter into the promise that I have for them. Because they're never going to be able to get out of this wilderness. It's a wilderness of their own thinking. It's a wilderness of their own uh, construction. And it's going to become a wilderness of their own destruction. The people were paralyzed and couldn't fully enter in. They couldn't trust God enough to step into what God had. They were unwilling to add God into the equation of their lives and say, Lord, we know it's bigger than we are, but we trust you. But we will obey you. But we will walk forward even though we can't see it because we live by faith, not by sight that's faith-filled living but they didn't have it. And because they didn't have faith-filled living they couldn't have faithful living. They were un they were disobedient to what God was calling them to and leading them into. There's more that God has for every single one of us, but here's what I'm concerned with, that I feel like fear is paralyzing some of us from ever moving forward into it. God may bring you right to the edge of it, but today will be the day that you're ready to walk forward. Today is the day you're going to say, I'm not going to let fear get in the way anymore. Lord, I want to walk forward into it. And I want you to know, He needs to, he needs to give you uh, a word, and as you receive that word and as you trust Him, you then need to begin to walk forward in faith, practicing everything God is teaching and what He's leading us towards. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward right now. Fear says my problems are bigger than I am. Can I tell you what faith says? Faith says my God is bigger than my problems. My God is bigger than any problems that I'm facing right now, and I can walk forward if God has called me there. I can step into it and trust him and see how God leads me and guides me. It doesn't mean there won't be battles on the other side. God says, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome it. I've overcome this world. There's no trouble that's so great that it will be able to overtake you. It's faith that believes God is greater than the circumstances that we're facing in this life. So as we do that, as we factor God into our lives, as we develop faith-filled living, we need to operate differently. You know, when God looked over at, at Joshua and Caleb, he saw something different in them. He saw a different spirit that was upon them. He said they have a different attitude, a different disposition. They're not looking the way everyone else is looking. not seeing what everyone else sees. They see with eyes of faith. So whenever God said to that generation, no one in this generation is entering into the promise. Except, but for Joshua and Caleb. They will enter in because they're different. Look what it says in verse 24 of Numbers chapter 14. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. Faith says, My God is greater than my problems. And as it happens, as they begin to walk forward into the midst of it, God gives them victory after victory. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, I was reading it a few days ago, and I'd heard a pastor talk about it a couple weeks ago, and the Lord just reminded me of the word again. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, this is after Numbers. Because what happened in this moment is they went right back into that wilderness, and they were there for almost 40 years, and ended up dying in that wilderness, and only the next generation led by Joshua and Caleb would be allowed to go and enter into it. They became so sidetracked from the plan, the more that God had for them. And they had to settle for less. They settled for a wilderness. But as we, I got to Deuteronomy chapter 1, this is the end of Moses' life, and they're getting ready to prepare this next generation to go into the land. And what they said, the Lord said, says, We have camped at this mountain long enough. It's time to get up and go. And man, I feel like for some of us today, the Lord just speaking that word over you. Where are you camped out at right now? You've been there long enough. Come on, let's get up and move into God's promise. Let's begin to get up and step into everything that God has for us. Let's get, let's get out of complacency because the people are making a plan to go back to Egypt. How many of us have gone and camped back in Egypt somewhere? We're back in the comfortable place, but not the place of God's calling over us. God desires more for you than the life you've been living, and he calls you out of it today. So God led them in through Joshua. When Moses died, the Lord spoke a word to Joshua. It's all he needed. That because faith-filled living only needs a word from God. and They're willing to walk forward in it. He says, arise, my servant Moses is dead. Get up and lead my people into the promised land. And what does he do? He gets up and leads his people into the promised land. They walk in. They walk through the Jordan River. It's dried up just like the Red Sea was. They walk up to Jericho, a fortified city that the ten spies were so terrified of. And they march around it. They don't even lift a sword. God demolishes the city and tears down the walls right in front of them. They then walk up against enemies that are so much bigger than the giants that they said are there. And what does God do? One by one, He gives them victory after victory. Why? Because God's Word is what we need. Faith is what we need to take hold of, to trust Him. And as they took steps of obedience, God made the way clear every step of the journey. When we get to this moment in time, I love it. They're in the Promised Land. They're settled into the promise. They're enjoying everything that God is speaking to them and giving them. But there's still some parts of the land that need to be divided up. There's still some enemies that are standing on the surroundings, and there's one portion of land that hasn't yet been identified and given to someone. And Caleb needs to have a heart-to-heart with Joshua because that land is going to require a battle and some strength to go take hold of it. And Caleb comes to Joshua, and it's a moment that I don't want you to miss. It's a moment that's happening decades after what we just read about this morning. You ready for this? Joshua chapter 14, starting in verse 6. It says, A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, came to Joshua at Gilgal, Caleb said to Joshua, you ready for this? Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me, when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to explore that land of Canaan. And I returned and I gave an honest report. He's, re- he's going back to this very moment we just talked about this morning. But my brothers who went with me were frightened, and they frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And so that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Verse 10, now as you see me, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years, come on somebody, since Moses made that promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old, and I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I could still travel and fight as well as I could. So give me that hill country that the Lord promised me. You'll remember that as the scouts we found the descendants of Anak, living in that great walled cities. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of that land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, and he gave him his portion of the land. Come on, somebody. 45 years later, he stands to his feet. He says, give me that mountain. I'm not done until I see the more that God has for me. Give me the hill. He stands up at that day, and he says, I got faith-filled eyes. I've been honoring the Lord with my life, and I know God has more. Man, some of you, you've been camped out for too long. Standing in the middle of some stagnant place, come on! I'm praying for the spirit of Joshua and Caleb to fall on someone today, and that faith will fill your heart and life afresh. And you say, "Give me that mountain, Lord God! I'm ready to run after everything you have for me today." If that's your prayer, if that's your heart's cry, stand to your feet right now. I want to begin to cry out to the Lord. I want to begin to ask Him to meet us in this place. In fact, as you stand to your feet, come to this altar and let's just spend a few moments praying. I'm asking the Lord in the same way: Would He just give us a tenacious faith, a tenacious faith? that runs after and chases after everything that God has for us. A heart that cries out, Lord God, give me that mountain, Lord God. I'm ready to run after everything you have for me, Lord God. I'm not holding back anymore. Come on, church family, just come and gather right now. We're just going to begin to pray. If that's you and that's your heart's desire, we're going to call out to the Lord. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we devote our whole hearts to you. We devote our whole lives to you. Come on, church, just begin to lift your hands all over this place right now, from the front to the back, the overflow online, wherever you are. Just begin to ask the Lord to meet you in this place. Lord Jesus, we make this place an altar. A place of worship, Lord God. A place of looking to you and standing before you, Lord God. And today, Lord God, we some of us were a few years older than we were when we first heard the promise, Lord God. Some of us are decades older. But today, Lord, we stand and declare we're ready for the mountain, Lord God. We're ready to step into the fullness of what you have for us. We're ready for the more that you've made us for, Lord God. So we stand against fear. We stand against depression. We stand against so many of the tactics that have been used to keep us from pressing in today, Lord. God. We walk forward boldly, Lord God. Today we step into everything you have for us. Thank you, Lord God, that you go with us. Thank you, Lord, that you surround us. Thank you that you've made a way, Lord, where there is no way. And today, Lord, we just devote our hearts to you. Do We devote our lives to you, Lord God. We consecrate ourselves before you, and we pray that you would come, that you would reign in every heart and in every life today, Lord God, may faith rise up in our hearts. May we trust you, Lord God. May we trust you as you lead us, Lord God. Come on, today, would you just take that on your lips? Would you say, Lord, I, I trust you, Lord God. Today, I receive your word today, Lord God. Today, I put my faith in you, Lord God. I trust you to lead me and guide me. Oh, would would fear be gone in and- In Jesus' name, would your perfect love, Lord, cover over and lead and guide, Lord God? I sense your stirring calling in this house. You're stirring more, Lord God. Come and birth it in the hearts and lives of your people, Lord God. Oh, Lord, would you give us a perspective like Caleb had, Lord God? Forty-five years later, he's unwavering in his focus. He's unwavering in his faith, Lord God. He says, I'm as strong now as I was that day. Give me that mountain, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for those sons and daughters. I thank you for those that have been in the faith longer than I've been alive. They're standing in an altar today because, Lord, their faith hasn't wavered. They're ready again, afresh and anew, to run after everything you have for them. So today, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you and we consecrate ourselves to you. As you're standing here today, whether in the front or the back or at this altar, I want to read this word over you. It's in Joshua 24 because this is where it all begins. There has to be a faithfulness in your life. There has to be a willingness to surrender everything you are to the Lord to be used by Him greatly. And here's what the Lord says. Joshua says it to the people. Fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors that lived beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt. Get rid of the stuff that was keeping you in captivity, the Lord says. Lay it aside. Today, if you're at this altar, lay it before the Lord. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve Him alone, then go find who you're going to serve. Go serve some other gods. Go serve some other things beyond the Euphrates. Maybe the other gods that live in our land now. But Joshua said this, and this is faith-filled living. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, is there anyone here that will say, that's my heart's desire. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll serve him wholeheartedly. Come on, right now, would you just make a declaration to the Lord? Would you just tell him that? With your own words Lord, we will serve you together we will serve you wholeheartedly we devote our house to you we devote our family to you we devote our future family to you lord we devote you to everything we are to you today and we will serve you and only you lord god lord i thank you today the faith is filling this house lord god i thank you that faithfulness lord god is surrounding your people that lord as they're faithful to serve you lord we're going to see your faithfulness enacted in lord on display over their lives so, that we commit them afresh and anew to you today. We pray your blessing over this house, over every home representative, over every child that stood on this platform, Lord God. Oh, Lord, I pray you birth the more in their lives, Lord God. Put your anointing on them. Put your calling on them. Lord, I pray for worship pastors and pastors and missionaries and leaders and business people that love you, Lord God, and people that will honor your heart, Lord God. Lord, we pray that not one will be lost, Lord God, from this generation. Lord, we commit ourselves to you wholeheartedly. We go from this place rejoicing, full of faith, Lord God, ready to walk in the fullness of what you made us for. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Come on, someone, give God a shout.